Have you ever struggled to make a decision based how others will perceive you? Maybe you haven't taken that leap of leaving your job, that relationship, that habit, that something that's just keeping where you're at. And if you're a man and you've experienced or you know a man that has experienced sexual trauma or abuse, you know, this episode is going to be for you as it's a unique blend of being able to understand how your identity can compound and be an aspect in your suffering. And when we're able to go beyond what we perceive to be comfortable, what we perceive to be the normal regular day in life, what we perceive to just be true, that's what has been a big catalyst for me and my growth moving through so much the last several years. And when I met our guest back in 2021, I was in a very raw and a very uh, vulnerable position, just started as a chiropractor. I was only like two months into uh, my profession, still in a very new space in my city. COVID was still rampant and, you know, my voice was being challenged a lot. And, you know, this man really was a very, very potent force where fucking laughed our asses off at the retreat um, and really got to connect in a very, very powerful, powerful way. And he, his philosophy, um, his character, his values, his integrity, his background in psychology, his own very raw, real approach to life really gave me a lot of permission. And there's been so many synchronicities as well, too. We recently reconnected and had a powerful, powerful flow. That could have been a podcast in itself. <laughs> um, but I'm really, really excited to be able to bring uh, to the space uh, Matthew, a.k.a. Matt Bates. It's great to have <laughs> you, brother. Hello, sir. I don't know who you're about to interview, but this shit sounds interesting to me. <laughs> Man, it's about to be a freaking dime, let me tell you. Fun fact, <laughs> you're also the first uh, remote interview that I've done for the year. So we're playing with a new uh, format for all. Of, oh, side note, all of my listeners, uh, if you have Spotify, uh, feel free to watch this on Spotify. And if you have uh, the YouTube access, watch this on the YouTube as full video episodes are available on Spotify. Shout out to all my Spotify listeners and viewers, man. Y'all the best. Y'all give me some sexy stats. And shout out to all the uh, Apple podcast listeners. I love y'all too. Anyways, this man slapped me with a quote uh, last time I connected with him. And it was, people will never outperform the opinion they have of themselves. I believe it was from Peter Sage. But that Peter just, Sage, yeah. That just catapulted us into a powerful conversation on identity once more and you know matt i'd really love to just dive in and be able to appreciate your perspective and how the comfort zone is actually what can be the perception and opinions people have of themselves and why that's important yeah and before we launch into that remind me to uh, hire you to do any podcast commercials or promos or anything that I ever do in the future. What you, got, <laughs> you got Whatever the boy. I mean, you just, just, yeah. Remind me to do that. Heard. <laughs> Love it. So yeah, brother, I'll follow your lead. Where do you want to take this? That dang conversation on, cause I see the comfort zone mm -hmm. as a preface for our listeners. I see the comfort zone I've done a workshop or I've done a part of a speech, uh, the five zones of discomfort. I've been on Ruby Fremont's podcast as well mm. to potent truth. The comfort zone is important to be able to help people integrate, come home after they venture out about 10%. Yep. That's one layer. There's a pain threshold. That's the second layer. There mm -hmm. is the traumatic stage. That's the third layer. And then there's the, the dissociation. That's when, you know, it's the final stage of uncomfortability, but mm -hmm. I think a lot of people, providers in particular, struggle to make decisions from what I've seen in practice and coaching mm -hmm. to leave a profession, to take care of themselves, to be able to just 
maybe exit a relationship or set boundaries for themselves. So I'd love mm -hmm. for you to reflect, you know, just what have you found in people that you've coached, people that you, you know, consult consultations with as well too, businesses, when it comes to people understanding their comfort zone and how it limits them, their expression. Oh boy. Well, the first thing that comes to mind right off what you just said is this word boundaries. And the one thing that uh, I want anyone to understand that's listening is that your boundaries are not other people's punishments. Right. I'll say it again. Your boundaries are not other people's punishments. And I say that because as anyone knows, I know you do firsthand, when we start to evolve, we start to change our, our philosophies, our way of thinking, the way we're moving through the world, it's going to disrupt the patterns, the rhythms of whatever relationships are currently present, right? And when we start to change, what happens is we start to realize that some of the patterns or the rhythms of relationships that we currently have, whether it's with family, whether it's with spouse, whether it's with, you know, obviously self, but when we begin to change, it begins to change everything around us. And many people, right, <clears throat> that are close to you uh, may not uh, like those changes at first, right? Because they require you to be who you've always been in order for them to be who they have always been. Mm. So when you start to change, it challenges them, right? And the natural um, inclination right off the top is to keep things from changing. Right. So when someone consciously begins to set boundaries, it often feels like conflict. Right. I appreciate that as the brain and the neurology are meant to keep us safe. So when the mm -hmm. news, there's this new stimulus, which is in the form of someone familiar, but they're doing something new. It's like, hey, whoa, hey, whoa, what the fuck is this? Mm -hmm. what, what is this? What is this? You said something mm -hmm. important and I loved it. It's it's it disrupts the rhythm of how we're used to interacting mm -hmm. and now we need to reorganize to be able to rediscover you know what's a good way of being able to re re reconnect to each other re-engage because mm -hmm. reality is all based off of relation mm -hmm. to one another and to self 100 right now i joke it's like imagine you know thanksgiving dinner uh you know you, let's say someone decides that they're gonna change their eating habits right? it's a pretty easy one for people to wrap their heads around they're going to change their eating habits and let's go extreme. Let's say that, uh, you know, they come from a background similar to I that's, you know, thoroughbred country, Midwest, you know, steak, yeah. potatoes, the, you know, all the things. Uh, and let's say you go to Thanksgiving this year and you decide to tell your family that you are, uh, you've decided to, to go vegan, right? Your diet is now vegan. How do you think the majority of those people are going to respond? <laughs> I can tell you how mine would. <laughs> Right. And at first, you know, let's say that's a boundary. You, you've decided to go vegan because that's um, a decision that you have uh, identified as healthier for you for one reason or another. Um, let's say that you are one of those that, who are also not attempting to get others to do it. Right. You are just making the decision for yourself. And, you know, the response that you may get from those who you uh, you you love and care about the most, right? Those who you have lived your life potentially to, um, to make proud, right? Your parents, your cousins, your siblings, whomever's, um, you know, when they start to, to give you shit for becoming one of those people, as I would often hear it, uh, you know, like, oh, you're my favorite. Oh, you're so California now. Oh, love, man. 
love that one. Um, but, uh, you know, it's like those initial, and this is what I mean by your boundaries are not other people's punishments, right? So you making a decision that makes them uncomfortable does not mean that you are doing something inappropriate, mm. right? And it does not mean that you are doing something that is unkind or unjust to mm. other just because the decision that you made is um, challenging them in some way. Right. So I think the biggest thing, and this is in all levels of transformation, I don't give a shit what it is. Right. I think one of the biggest um, things that we all must become, um, I'm going to say, develop a healthier relationship with is discomfort. Right. So we must develop a healthy relationship to discomfort if we wish to make a change. Right. So that, that, that natural discomfort that exists at that, that kitchen table. Right. Because you decided that you're not going to, uh, you know, eat the same foods as they are. It's 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 OK. Right. And however they feel about it is also OK. Yeah. Right? So I could riff on this forever. Yeah. No, there's definitely been a theme of conflict, I think, in this first few weeks of life. And mm. Our first few weeks of uh, 2024. I, guess. I was like, how old are you? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think one of my favorite quotes that kind of like progresses this conversation that we mentioned is reality is a, di a direct reflection of who we believe ourselves to be. Mm -hmm. And I think that a part of being able to lean into discomfort is mm -hmm. allowing us to challenge ourselves as change is the only constant in life. People, mm -hmm. you know, our brains every millisecond are changing in some way, shape or form. But in a previous conversation at Daniel's uh, rise retreat, there, we discussed some philosophy and you know there's mm -hmm. a chiropractic philosophy and there's signs of life for all my chiropractors and chiropractic students there's you know assimilation so being able to take things in there's being able to um, excrete things as well too things that are no longer serving us there's growth of course mm -hmm. so like whatever like the sign of life that something is alive is that it's growing uh, mm -hmm. adaptation adaptation is another one so being able to actually lead to different behavior changes and then reproduce and reproducibility or reproduction mm -hmm. the ability to pass on which we used to think was survival of the fittest we're able to just pass on the genes that make people successful but i think when it comes to humans we have this beautiful neocortex and we have this beautiful prefrontal cortex uh, that allows us to be able to consciously engage with our, our lives and utilize our mm -hmm. free will for the construction of others and for ourselves and direct our neuroplasticity and how we want to live our lives and how we want to change our lives and I think one component to that that is essential for the health of the provider and for other humans is recognition. <clears throat> As you gave the awareness of, say, a, it was, say a puppy falls off, like, I don't know, a cruise ship or something, or there's a puppy in, like, a river. Like, you, us as people, like, being able to see life, mm -hmm. needing, like, help or recognize something, it does something in us. Yeah. And, dude, I talked about that the next two years straight up because recognition for self mm -hmm. and how we're changing and how we're evolving and how we're growing and how there's there's like an absence of that that sign of life mm -hmm. it can give us so much life but we don't create space for it what's up with that no i love this it's it's life recognizes life yeah and there's no life form that is superior to another life is life no matter the 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 vehicle it may you know express itself through um and this happened for me this this awareness came to me in a different journey 
um, prior to us meeting where I was with a shaman and, you know, we were using plant-based or plant medicines. Uh, and, you know, while I was, uh, now I say the first journey I ever experienced saved my life. The second one changed my life. This is the second one that I'm referring to that changed my life. And really uh, what it was, was a, an observation of ego the entire time, which was very disruptive <laughs> in a beautiful way. Uh, Cause you know, like I was so unaware of how mine was operating. Um, and, you know, so uh, specifically what was happening, I was, I was sharing a lot of gratitude for the fact that I'm a human being and that I get to be a human being and that uh, I forget exactly how I put it in the journey, but essentially what I said was like, you know, to, to be for my life force, to be able to express itself um, uh, essentially more than any other right like i believe that a human being was at the time i made this comment it was like a human being's expression of life is, is superior to others and i'm just so grateful that i get to be that you know during this time and the shaman challenged me and he was like you know who says that a human life is you know expressing itself more authentically more fully than any other life form he's like do you think this tree right here has any concern about how it's expressing its life or is it just expressing it and it's full ability right, right? unapologetically right. and then he pointed out like the bugs that were close to us because again we're in the, in the forest and all these things and it hit me it's like holy shit again ego my ego is sitting there looking at a tree being like my life is better than yours right looking at the animal like my life is 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 more expressive than yours but i think the opposite could be true in the sense that when we look at everything that isn't human it is unapologetic in its expression. Right. It's fully authentic. It's it has no other it has no reservations whatsoever. It doesn't give one fuck what anything thinks, does, whatever. It just works in unison with the life that's around it. And I think that's where as human beings we get things so, so, so wrong. Is that we spend so I think it's it's very necessary, what I'm about to say, but I think it's um, you know it's heavily weighted in a um, call it toxic, call it whatever. It's heavily weighted in, in um, the words miss me because I don't want to use the word toxic, but let's just run with it. And it's heavily weighted in a toxic direction. Very conditioned. Yeah. Conditioned direction. If I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yeah. It's like we, you know, I think, we often trade and I think there's some, so there's something that I, I refer to as functional suffering. And I think what it is, is in line with what we're talking about. Functional suffering is, you know, when we are heavily prioritizing our uh, safety, right? I.e. what is most familiar to us over our potential. Mm. Right. I think when you, one of the best, here's another way I'll say it. One of the best quotes I ever heard in relation to, um those who experience depression right and mind you this is in uh, this is in with respect to those that are genuinely clinically depressed there is something you know acute going on that must be um managed in a very professional and appropriate way so that that person can you know move forward um but in in relation to how often people speak on depression or claim to be depressed what they're referring to is an emotional state not a diagnosis Right. right. That's you can't be diagnosed as sad. Right. It's it's a it's a it's an emotional state. So 
I, I view depression in most cases as the same. Like you're you're feeling depressed. You're going through a season of depression. It's normal right? to be. It's normal. It's normal, depression. right? There's nothing broken or wrong, right? And in relation to that specifically, the quote that that, that stuck out to me is from a, a gentleman that I've looked up to for many years, Mastin Kip, and what he said was, uh, "Depression is nothing more than denied expression." Oh. I had the same experience. <laughs> and I think it hits so hard because it, we, when we hear it, we know it's true. Right. So when you think about someone that's denying expression, which so many are, I believe this is the functional suffering. And, and that, that phrase hit me a long time ago when I was working with someone that was um, uh, discussing a family member that was uh, an alcoholic. And they were talking about, you know, like functional alcoholism, right? Where it's like, essentially you're drinking all day long or however often, but you're still able to function quote unquote in the world, right? You're still able to maintain some level of stability despite the, um, uh, the addiction. And I think that's true for, you know, a lot of our suffering it's functional, right? It's this low level suffering that we choose when we choose to protect our comfort zones more than our potential, right? Because the soul, like you said, life, life does, <laughs> there's two things that, uh, signifies life. And I mean this literal, and I mean this throughout the world, right? If you look at nature, you'll see this everywhere. If something has life force, it does two things. You've already mentioned one, it grows, right? Non-negotiable. If it has life force, it will grow. You do not look the same as the day you were born. You do, You will not look the same in 20 years as you do right now, right? There's growth. And then second thing is it must add value for others. If you look at nature, every single thing is connected, hmm. right? Look at the the plants, right? They they consume carbon dioxide and you know give off oxygen so that we and other things can breathe, right? Perfect example. Everything is connected, so life force does two things: it grows and it provides value. I think where most of us exist in functional suffering is. We are being, as we grow, we repress that evolution that because of fear of how others may view us, fear of breaking the patterns, breaking the norms. You know, I can't, I can't do that because that's not who I am or that's not, you know, where I come from. People like us don't X, Y, Z, right? You hear this a lot of time. And if you talk to those people, you're going to see there's a lot of aggression, there's a lot of sadness, there's a lot of depression, right? Which I believe is the result of this, this um, uh, denial of the growth that their spirit, their soul only knows how to do. It's not even just yearning for it. It only knows how to do this, right? And I think when we repress it, we experience depression. Oh, man, that's so, that's so rich with different ways to go as you know i just think of like emotionally people that repress anger oftentimes like that's those that's what tears are repressed anger um as that's that's where i come from often yeah being able to appreciate denied expression though because the chiropractic meaning to life and all my chiros and people that have been following soul coffee for a minute knows that there's principles in chiropractic and number two the chiropractic meaning to life the expression of intelligence through matter mm. but if the matter is repressing the intelligence which is which the emotions or the energetic state connects the matter to the intelligence well then you're we're missing out we're not expressing everything 
and I love animals as an example for chiropractic or just babies for life. Like a baby doesn't know, it hasn't been traumatized, quote unquote, to trained, it <laughs> conditioned to like withhold itself. Like it's authentically mm -hmm. expressing the same thing with like cat, dog, like whatever, maybe like dog, like sees another dog, it goes off. Like, yeah, I got the door closed right now because they will authentically <laughs> express themselves if I open it. <laughs> and I love that you touched on that because I think that there's an element. I'm, I looked at some of the notes that we were that we were rifting on because I could mm -hmm. podcast back in 2021. He said, self-trust is a skill. Mm. Self-trust is a skill. And in that capacity, being able to move through and have that faith or have that trust that, yo, you're going to make it. Mm -hmm. That's what that's where when it came to the five levels of discomfort and navigating that, even if like, say, you weren't intentionally trying to experience something traumatic or disassociate from it's the journey back home in which you build that self-trust. Mm -hmm. And at the same, right. When you intentionally go 10% outside your comfort zone, you staying on your example, you go vegan or whatever mm -hmm. around your family, or you take that cold shower or mm -hmm. you start your business or you start your side hustle, or you talk to your boss and you're like, Hey, I can't be spoken to like that anymore. I need to set this boundary or your coworkers or your, or your spouse. I was about to say, or your relationship, or, or here's the other one, how you talk to yourself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with that capacity, self-trust is also accumulative. And um, I think that's such, that's so big because that can be a skill that you build to stop denying and repressing your expression, allow yourself to express more often. Mm -hmm. And I think people need to learn to trust that your emotional states won't kill you. period mm -hmm. right they mm -hmm. the behaviors in which you take within those states may be harmful right but the emotion itself the discomfort itself is not harming you right but the challenge is much like you've already referenced in the brain it doesn't know the difference between real and emotional pain it's hardwired to avoid pain at all costs mm -hmm. right so emotional pain to the brain is the equivalent of putting your hand on a hot stove don't do it right and for good reason right if we're in pain that must mean we're in harm's way right so if we allow this thing that's causing us some level of pain to persist it will eventually lead to harm or death right which is why we're hardwired to avoid it this is where uh you know being a human being is really powerful because like you said in the top of the, the conversation we have the ability to discern whether or not we are in harm's way or if we're just uncomfortable Mm, yeah we have that delineation mm -hmm. i think but oftentimes people interpret the discomfort as harm mm. so they'll run they can't lean into it or they they haven't excuse me they haven't cultivated the capacity mm. to lean into it because it's mm. available for people i was talking with a good friend yesterday who was experiencing some i say depressive symptoms or depression mm -hmm. i reminded them i was like hey just so you know like this will be this can be temporary like it's normal. I let I let them know like it's normal to experience anxiety. It's normal to experience depression. Like that's yeah. part of our humanness to be able. To I have this week myself. Like it's like it's 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 waves, mm -hmm. but it's how. And I, I told them I was like, pay attention. Mm -hmm. Now you have an opportunity to really cultivate a skill set, a tool set to be able to help you out of this state. So that way mm -hmm. when, if you visit here in the future, you know how you can get out of it, or you're like litmus testing. You're the independent variable, Doctor mm -hmm. John Bonham. Well, one thing on this that I'll, I'll point out that I think is an extreme, this was a game changer for me, right? <clears throat> and uh, it's breaking down a trigger 
in three parts. Oh, I love it. It's important. Right. <clears throat> Every, and, and this is universal, right? And when I say trigger, I don't mean just a negative one or a difficult one or, you know, any, a traumatic one. I mean, a trigger is anything that like, you know, uh, uh, initiates or cultivates a response, right? It evokes a response is the word I was looking for. So triggers break down the three universal components 100% of the time. So the first thing is there's always the event, whatever it was. It could be the tone of someone's voice. It could be the look someone gives you, the words that you that you read or, or heard. The smell. The smell, anything, right? It could be the person cutting you off in traffic. It could be the whatever, whatever the event was, right? So the first thing is always the event. The second thing is the interpretation of the event, the meaning in which we give it, right? And then the third thing is the physiological or emotional response, right? So you have the event, the interpretation, the response. Now, really quickly, of the three, or, yeah, of the three, the first one is the event. When the event occurs, which... Uh, well, let me back this up. So of the three things, the third one is the, the response, right? Which of the first two are you actually responding to? The event or the interpretation? You're responding to the interpretation as I perceive that as your perception of, because the same thing can happen to me and you, and we have completely different responses and completely different things that form from that. So our perception is the key, which in lies between the space of the meaning we assign and then the emotional response, that space between. Ding, 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 100% of the time. 100% of the time, the only thing you're responding to is the interpretation you've given that, that experience. Right? That's the difference between uh, you know, something happening and you perceiving it as further evidence as why you're not enough. Ooh, further evidence. Ooh, right? That's good. right? Uh, let's say that at the top of the show, the mic didn't work. Right. That could be the event. You could interpret that as a see, this is why I shouldn't be fucking doing this. Nothing oh. ever works for me. You know, I, I and spend all this money on this good stuff and I still can't figure it out. It's because I'm stupid because this will never work because people like me aren't successful. Blah, blah, blah. Shut up. You don't know me. <laughs> right. That could be the interpretation. Right. Or the interpretation is, all right, you know, the, this, this is going off center, but like, this is exciting. It's a, it's a thing we get to figure out because whatever it is, I now know how to fix it and we get to keep it moving. And by the way, I can use this as a perfect example as to how to move through shit when it doesn't go the way that you expect it to. Right. Oh, that's good. It's, it's two different responses to the exact same thing. Right. right. But the problem is most of us unconsciously, right? This is why self-awareness and in in this work is so important. Most of us will use whatever the events are. We are unconsciously seeking confirmation to 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 um uh protect uh the the identities we're operating from yeah the identities and the perceptions that we're operating from because then we'll have more safety even if that's a disempowering perspective as uh one i think it's a perfect segue another flow that we we had uh was like let go or a lot of people you know struggle to let go of their pain struggle to let mm -hmm. go of their circumstances their environment a lot of their realities which dr joe Dispenza talks about time circumstances environment and body people get addicted to those three in some way different shape or form mm -hmm. perpetually leads to their suffering and that's because you know there's a fear of where if they let go of what gives them significance say pain then like you mentioned 
the next flow is then, well, if there is this awareness that someone's in pain, now they're able to like alert someone. Mm -hmm. Life recognizes life. So it's like, okay, they're gaining this awareness. And then that gives them the val validity, like I'm significant enough to warrant this worry or warrant this this response in someone. Mm -hmm. So they have a tough time exchanging their pain or their whatever it may be, because then they'll potentially be lonely or they won't be important or they won't be significant enough right. with that without without no longer being able to identify with their diagnosis or with their suffering. So it's like if I if I've been broke my whole life. This is my true story, right? Or was. This was my identity for a very long time. Um, if I was struggling financially, uh, I could guarantee that others would show up to help me, take care of me, care. Yep. Right? So what I learned was, as long as I am in struggle, I have connection. Ooh. Ooh. Because here's the other caveat. Many who I grew up around suffered with the same addiction being broke, right? Addiction in the, in the way in which you described it and Joe Dispenza teaches. And so what I learned was, as long as I suffer from the same thing, I remain connected to my tribe, to my people, to my whatever. The challenge became when I started to challenge, when I started to challenge that narrative and I started to grow beyond it, which was very messy, right? Still is at times. Right? But as I as I challenged myself to move through and eventually my identity began to evolve into something much more empowering, much more in line with what I'm capable of versus, you know, the circumstance where I, in which I came from, then my doing better became the biggest threat to my connections. Like I said, your boundaries are not other people's punishments. So what happened was I started to improve. Others were not moving in the same direction, not meaning that they were doing anything worse or lesser or whatever. We just made, we began, I began making different decisions than those in which I was spending my time with. And it became a, it became the biggest threat to our relationship, right? Ask anyone that is stopping uh, or quitting drinking. What happens to their social groups? Mm, shifts. Almost immediately. Right. Oh, you don't drink anymore. All right. I'm going to stop inviting you out. Right. Or you don't want to go out and be in those environments, although you care about the people you're hanging out with. Right. All of a sudden, your change of behavior becomes the greatest threat to the connection with the people. And this is the part where most people will begin to fall off because that shift feels like a direct threat to my survival. Right. Because as human beings, we are pack animals. Pack animals require the acceptance and the approval of others in order to survive, right? Because if anyone, you yourself or anyone listening has ever, you know, watched or seen anything on pack animals in the, in, in the wild, you know, what happens to the animal that gets uh, rejected or abandoned for any reason, right? What would you say? What happens to that animal that gets rejected from the pack for any reason? They're going to die. 100% of the time, right? Because we as pack animals we can't as much as people learn how to survive on their own that's not how we're wired right so what that means to your nervous system when you make the changes and people start to re to reject them in whatever way that or you start to feel rejected in whatever ways mm -hmm. to your body it says if you do this you die mm -hmm. if you bad. stop drinking and your friends stop hanging out with you you die alone mm -hmm. no wonder this shit is so hard mm -hmm. ain't got nothing to do with the alcohol Oof. 
right? And and I with respect to the layers of this conversation that we're not yeah. touching on. Yeah. <laughs> so before people start showing up in your box and saying like, what the fuck? You don't know what you're talking about. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Check yourself and just listen. <laughs> you know, uh, I'd like to just affirm like, yo, we're here at Soul Coffee. We're of a very encompassing energy and vibration uh, where it's based in curiosity, inclusion to the extent. And if like people got questions or they got contributions, yeah. more than welcome to. And if you're just here to just berate something, shut the fuck up. Uh, so we're not going to call those people in. We're going to call in the people that are curious and things. Back to this tribe notion, though. Mm -hmm. We had this, this dope pre-chat the other week. And, you know, the empowering thing is, like, if there was one human being on this world, it, the species would die. We need at least bare minimum one person, obviously, of course, of someone else that can, you know, conceive a baby. Right. Procreate, yeah. But the beautiful thing is that you just need one person. And I'm not saying it can be a partner, but, man, you have one person to believe in you, like, that's... In my story, like that's all that got me through. I had my boy Harris Borowski, like got me through the toughest part of my life, which was pretty much from seventh grade, mm -hmm. probably about sophomore year in high school. Mm -hmm. uh, and you know, this has been coming up. I'm gonna go into a so shout out puberty. <laughs> shout sh big shout out, big shout out. Uh, and shout out to Lou as you know we all like we just had each other like of course we had everyone or the Joneses and things too but getting here to Tucson I was talking to my friend yesterday like it was fucking dark man like it was dark there was mm -hmm. such a hole which I've gone in different capacities I'm going back to more so the having that one homie you have one friend that can build your community that you can chop it up with that you can reflect with that you can experience life with that you can be able to revel and be able to all the five signs, six signs of life you can recognize, you can you can assimilate, you can eat with, you can let go of things with, you can um, be able to, you know, adapt and learn and you can be able to grow. And then, you know, I'm not saying you got to reproduce with them, but, you know, what you are reproducing is a certain energy and a certain emotional state consistently. And that's, baby, that's that's a sign that something's alive and something's well. And as you go through this process, like your tribe, your community, it's going to change. Like there's different priorities, there's different focuses. And if people have a loving perception and awareness of who you are and who you're efforting to be, like, you know, I can't be around my people in Connecticut and I fucking miss them so much. Mm -hmm. And I think the realest relationships I have are those, we just pick up that baton right where we left off and it's the best. Yeah. There's no question or challenge or, you know. Berating or yeah. shame or guilting or reprimand. Yeah. I have the same thing. You know, I moved out of Indiana in 03 and, and came back for a brief time in, in between living in New York City and then moving back to, and moving out to L.A. And like my boys, I'm talking like ride or dies. Do not talk to me anymore. They took extreme. My, my interpretation is they took extreme offense to me leaving. As if I abandoned them. Mm. And when I go back and speak to many of them over the years, which I have, it's been a while, but you know, it's, we're just, we've grown into two different, you know, two different directions. Yeah. Right. They, and it's, it's heartbreaking. Right. But at the end of the day, I, I trust that they're doing what feels right to them. Yes. And I'm going to continue to do what I feel is right for me. Yes. And there will always be love and respect and, and care. And if I ever got the call that they needed something, I would show up to the conversation. Right? But um, 
I, I had to learn that I, you know, carrying guilt or shame for my decisions because I made the decision to, to break, to unsubscribe from the um, philosophy that, you know, you must stay where you're from and, you know, live in the cul-de-sac with all your relatives and go to the same high schools and, you know, do all these things. Like that wasn't the life that I felt called to live. And I made that decision and I had to accept that, you know, the life that I'm living is the one that I not only have created, but it's, it's the one that feels fulfilling to me. Mm. And I think with that, it's it's honoring what's inside you. Mm -hmm. It's recognizing life inside you, which is, you know, the focus, of course, for, you know, providers to be able to take care of themselves and be able to nourish themselves and be able to give yourselves permission to experience more of this beautiful life. Like that's, that's the mission of soul coffee. So that way you can experience more of this life once more, mm -hmm. because that's what we're supposed to. And um, like a lot of providers, they get into teacher jobs, they get into their parent or mm -hmm. they're, they're a healthcare professional. And it's just, there might be a gap or it might just be really fucking hard because there's so many different factors that you didn't, that you couldn't foresee. Mm -hmm. Like in the unknown, like I mean, the psychology of money. And he talks about like, you, you essentially, you got to plan for the unknown. You got to plan for some kind of cushion. And I'm translating this, not just from a financial like saving state, but from like an emotional savings state. Mm -hmm. Allow for space, expect some space, expect some unknown and some like, like you to get slapped like uh to an extent so that way you don't get taken off course and you spiral now into a maladaptive stuck negative perception of reality and um i think this you know bridges to you know one last point before you know we gotta we get to end this conversation in the next mm -hmm. five ten minutes or so is you know one quote that you said is you don't get into psychology because you have your shit together <laughs> And um, I think I'd be I'd be miffed if I didn't get the chance to, you know, explore at least just a short yeah. conversation and what brought us part of what brought us together. It's like we both came from being sexually traumatized as men mm -hmm. or as, as boys when we were younger. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I want to put more energy towards uh, throughout this year, throughout my, my whole life, because I believe the stats are I think it's like out of all the people that get abused uh, sexually, I believe one out of every eight of them is a boy. And mm -hmm. Um, the vast majority are under 18, um, the vast majority of people that we know. Um, and that carried a lot of humiliation for me. Mm -hmm. It wasn't even the event itself. It was like the humiliation that came from it. But, mm -hmm. uh, you know, how did you get through? This could be a podcast episode in itself, but how, what yeah. would you attribute your your healing in that capacity to be able to be with your beautiful wife now or fiance? Yeah. Excuse me. Mm -hmm. uh, when that was so far of a distant reality for you? Well, I mean, this this absolutely is its own podcast episode because there's nothing that I'm unwilling to talk about. Right? And if I were to put it very cleanly, and I think this goes back to the power of one. So I'll connect those two dots. Sometimes all we need to know is that someone else understands. Right? And even further, if that person who understands also is an example that you can move through, move beyond... Uh, begin to live uh, because sorry, I live near the airport. If that's a thing, uh, this mic is phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, um, but you know, with that being said, I'll say this: so my sexual abuse began around the age of five. I think I was either almost six or I just turned six. Uh, 
and it lasted for about five years. And quite literally, there's no there's no two things men can do sexually that I didn't experience by my sixth birthday. Right. And I say that not to throw in a bunch of heavy stuff into a conversation, but I say it to be very honest and uh, give context to where I'm going. Right? Um, the biggest difference between me and I think many others uh, was that my abuse story wasn't violent. Right. It wasn't uh, met with aggression. It was an older male, um, obviously. And uh, I was convinced that I was special. Right. So I, I came to believe that I was kind of the chosen one in many ways is how it felt, wow. um, you know, compared to my my siblings and relatives and stuff. I was the chosen one. And I literally was told that this this these experiences were to help me understand uh, and know what to do when I'm with a woman in my future. Right? This was the, the grooming that took place. And... Uh, you know, what in hindsight, looking back on it, what I realized is eventually I adopted this belief that uh, my sole purpose on this planet was to be a physical experience for others. It was an identity of mine, right? And, um, you know, skipping a, a few of the chapters here, uh, I mean, my story includes everything from obviously sexual abuse to um, uh, struggles with sexuality to drugs, alcohol abuse, um, to becoming a prostitute, to uh, you know, nearly committing suicide at the age of 33. When I say nearly, it wasn't a thought. I had a loaded 45 caliber to my temple. I was less than three pounds of pressure from accidentally making the ultimate decision. Right? <clears throat> so when I say you don't get into psychology because you have your shit together, <laughs> right? I learned a lot of what I teach on, coach on, talk on, um, by way of my own personal experiences and you know the you know coming from where I came from too like I said I grew up in the country and in rural Indiana of a town about 700 right I wear this flannel <laughs> proudly <laughs> you look like from the Midwest. <laughs> um, but you know it's interesting going back to identity it's something that I learned you know I'm 39 now so I started dressing more the more that I started to speak on my truth the more that I started to dress more like where I was from and in hindsight, I realized it was very intentional. Mm. It was a fuck you to everyone that I grew up with and where I came from. And what I mean by that is this interpretation, this perception that men are only supposed to be, you know, beer, drinking, gun, toting, truck driving, you know, screaming at your wife at the dinner table, fighting people in the bars, like to prove your masculinity. That's where I came from. So the more that I began to speak on struggles with sexuality, sexual abuse, right, insecurities, shame, all of these things that, you know, where I come from would be, you know, called all the names and, and ridiculed and bullied and, and, you know, seen as a, you know, a weakness in many ways, I started to take uh, almost appreciation for the uh, contradiction that I uh, appeared to be you know, I, I i hold the appearance of one but i will speak on everything that that most that i come from are afraid to talk about mm. right so if that makes any sense yeah. i realized like it in many ways it was uh almost like a a personal mission right of mine to uh, kind of break the mold and what i found is a lot of men right that i've coached over the years uh, and I'm currently coaching 
a lot of men uh, are, I, I'm relatable in many ways. I can shoot the guns. I travel, lift the truck. I could, you know, I used to drink the beer. I could do all the things, right? So I can meet them in that place, but also holding space for that real conversation. I'll share my story. And, what I, and I don't share it for me. I share it for them. I always say this, like, your pain is for others, right? Your pain is for others, right? <clears throat> your passion is for you. I teach something called the purpose formula. And where this is coming from specifically is this. It's pain plus passion times safety equals purpose. All right? Break this down quickly. So pain plus passion times safety equals purpose. Pain, right, is the ability to extract the wisdom from your struggles instead of just the suffering. It's the deep trauma work that we all, that you and I riff on so often, right, that we've done, we're doing, right? So it's the ability to go into your past, go into your, your, your struggles, your experiences, your traumas, whatever they may be, and extract the wisdom from those experiences, the understanding, right? Instead of just the suffering. Right. So the ability that uh, to extract plus passions, in my opinion, passions are nothing more than the shit you like to do. It's the things that you find interesting. It's the things you find motivating, inspiring to self. Right. It could be a career. It could be a hobby of some sort. It could be anything, anything that lights you up. Right. Brings you alive. It's a passion. Right. And I'm firmly that purpose is found inside of your pain, not your passions. Right. Because like I said earlier, just like life, purpose must do two things. It must challenge you to grow and it must provide value to others in order for us to feel a sense of purpose. Deeper contribution to the collective. We're just being mental creatures as well, too. We can form and craft a way to be able to contribute to the whole, which that was one thing I didn't get the chance to touch on. But I love explaining. It's like it's the impulse, but that's where we get to extract work to adapt very wonderfully. Okay. And there's no greater value, no greater service, I believe, one can give to others than to be able to extract the lessons, the wisdoms from their personal struggle, yep. right? To be of value, to help, to be of service to others, right? To, to be an example, to, to understand how to hold a safe place for others that are going through something soon, right? So purpose is found inside of the pain because the pain is what gives you the wisdom, right? It gives you the ability, the lessons, right? And then your passions, whatever it may be, is just the vehicle to deliver that wisdom to others. So, yeah. So you being a chiropractor, right? Could be a passion of yours. Chiropractor, whatever the, this being the service of, of a chiropractor, that's the vehicle that brings you in direct contact to so many that are seeking the wisdom that your pain has allowed you to, to, uh, to better understand or connect with or, or, or lean into or however you would, you describe that, right? So being a chiropractor is the vehicle. It's not the source of your purpose. It's simply the 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 tool that brings you in direct contact to others that are in that are yearning for uh, or aligning with what it is that you understand or have come to understand. It's the most efficient way. Right? And then time safety. Why do I multiply this? Because one, safety is the core root of all human behavior. I don't care if it's extreme isolation or extreme anger, hmm. right? Safety is the core. On some level, you are choosing the behaviors you are choosing because it creates some semblance of safety, security, 
right? And I mean more emotional than I do physical. Both exist, right? Are necessary. But in most of our daily lives, our behaviors represent a form, uh, an attempt to achieve a psychological or an emotional safety. And how would you define safety? Um, <clears throat> not being rejected. Not being rejected. How else would you define safety? Um, the, what it is, Is that what you're asking? In a, in a pure sense, like how would you define, like utilize other words to define like what safety is? Because it's a fascinating subject for me, Yeah, especially I that think, it's like um, that polyvagal neuroplasticity. yeah, yeah, no, I love this. I think in a kind of a layman's approach to the, the conversation, um, you know, safety is, is being among others whom you feel accepted and, and, and understood. Yeah, it's like a it's like a space where you can venture mentally and physically, where you can be in a relaxed physiology. Because yeah. safety is not the same as comfortable. No, no, it's not. There's a difference. I'm I I find I'm very safe in conversations with you in in your presence, but many of the conversations that we we journey into Ooh. can become very uncomfortable. Ooh. Ooh, that's a great distinction. Right. But I, I feel safe because I know even if we are on opposite ends of a conversation and a belief or an opinion, we are not in conflict. Right? Like, and that that takes a lot of cultivating. It takes a lot of... I know that because you've done your work, I've done mine. We can come to a difference of opinion and, and see them as just that. And there isn't a threat There's to no threat. preserve our, our, our existence. Even if the conversation is extremely uncomfortable or the question is very challenging, it's not a threat, right? Like, and and so I think that's an extremely important piece to safety, right? But uh, going back to the to the equation really quickly because I don't want to confuse others. Pain, the ability to extract the wisdom from your struggles instead of just the suffering. Passion, the vehicle in which you get to deliver that wisdom to others. Safety is nothing more. than qualified support. The presence of at least one who understands what you're going through and ideally understands the journey in which you are embarking on. Or is, I was about to say, or is open to understanding Right. and is efforting to do that, even Right. if they don't understand it. So That's safety in this equation represents mentorship, sisterhood, brotherhood, Yeah, Right? A tribe of, of like mind going who have this who have uh who have committed to a similar future instead of just coming from the same past. yeah. Right? Ooh. Ooh. Because we're all venturing into the unknown. I don't care how many days are the same. Right? So so put these together. You have wisdom from your suffering or your struggles, right? You have a vehicle in which you can deliver that news, that wisdom, that lesson to others, that understanding. And then you are supported by at least one who have been there, who understand what you are going through and what you're inevitably going to experience on this journey. I believe with those three things in place, you can create a life that not only has a deeper sense of meaning and fulfillment, but allows you to connect with and develop a healthier relationship to that deeper sense of purpose that we're all yearning for. Because purpose is an emotional state, not a destination. It's not a physical thing you can find, right? When people say, I'm trying to find purpose, trying to find a purpose in life, you can't because to find something you're out here. Often this is how we interpret the word find.
It's out here somewhere. Mm. Right? But purpose can only be discovered inside of your suffering. So we must be willing to lean in within a safe community to the parts of ourselves that, that we do not like in order to be able to extract that deeper understanding that wisdom move through so that we have something of significant value to offer to other. Right. This uh, tie into Annalise's episode that just dropped last week. It's so rich because then like what we talked about, you're not no longer identifying as your trauma, but you now have built a relationship with. There is a distinction. There's a separation. Yeah. You can have a different perception of, then the information that it presented that is the very raw big stimulus the emotional component and the physical sensation component to it tie it all together you now mm -hmm. have a new thought and you now have a new reality you have a new reality because now you can apply this new thought in a new way because your perception internally mm -hmm. is now different yeah. oh brother this is nourishing tell yeah. me and tell the good people if they'd like to connect to you how can they mm -hmm. reach out to you so uh my website is more than a business.co.co uh and, you know, it's very intentional because, as you know, I my work now is uh, leaned into supporting wellness coaches and practitioners and developing a business that, you know, reaches and exceeds the 100K mark and has nothing to do with the money. It has everything to do with the, the clarity of self offer, right, that is necessary to reach that point. Uh, I, you know, I like to take the, the trauma-informed approach to building a business that feels more fulfilling and meaningful um, and just happens to provide an income that your family can depend on. Uh, so more than a business.co and um, yeah. Love it. And are you available on the IGs still? Yeah. I mean, I have an account at Matthew Pates uh, on all things. And if I don't get back to you, it's because I have a relationship with social media where I like to spend more time off of it than on it. Yeah. So, uh, but if you come through the website, there's a link there to take a quiz. Um, you know, how ready are you to scale your coaching business? Um, and anyone that comes through that, you will 100%, uh, you know, will be able to connect. I love it. And final question for soul coffee. Uh, you know, how would you express your flavor and origin of soul coffee to the world? Same one. How would you uh, describe either the process of like the bean or the flavor that is your expression of your soul to the world? Ooh. Man. Um, the word transparent keeps coming to mind. I'm just a man learning to give a fuck. Quite frankly. Right. Um, matter of fact, let me answer this in a different way. So in my desk here, uh, I went through a uh, some trainings recently uh, on developing you know, purpose and mission and understanding all that. And one of the uh, main exercises was that you get to uh, write your own eulogy. Nice, Memento Mori. So if uh, if you're open to it, I will read what uh, the eulogy that I've written for my own life, and perhaps that will answer the question. I think that'd be a lovely honor <clears throat> to be able to receive. So 
Uh, what I say here is Matthew Pates was a loving and dedicated husband to his wife, Allison, and a present and secure father for all of the lives within his care. He believed that life was to be lived with a deep sense of meaning. He was committed to leading by example, to provide a path for all who knew him so that they too could transform their pain into something meaningful. His work was dedicated to helping others achieve a, dim, a deep sense of meaning and freedom. His company, more than a business, embodied this dedication by helping more than 100,000 people turn their purpose into a business so that they too could change the narrative of their lives and leave a legacy they could be proud of. His passion project was building the ranch, a place that he and Allison called home. This property became a physical rep representation of what their relationship stood for. Love, kindness, commitment, and legacy. Sounds like a delicious, potent brew. Mm. <laughs> How I managed to get through that without crying is uh, <laughs> another question, I guess. Yeah. Well, bro, I appreciate you. Mm -hmm. I appreciate our listeners as always. Thank you so much. May y'all take this good energy into the world. May y'all be able to reach out to Matt as you may feel called and be able to give yourselves more permission to explore in this capacity and, uh, you know, be able to express yourself as your mm -hmm. own unique version of this beautiful process that life has brewed you to be and crafted you to be. And until next time, peace.